Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special game day edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition. Uh, we've got a week of pods coming your way on the bye week, but things are going to look a little bit different. So we're doing Hey Mary Kay here on a Monday. We're going to have a post-game pod, kind of a quick recap of the game. That'll go up sometime in the middle of the night on Tuesday or very early morning Tuesday. And then we're going to come back and actually do a longer pod at some point on Tuesday for Wednesday. And then... Uh, Maybe get you one more pod before we take a little break here for the bye week as well. But as I mentioned, it's the Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast today. Our Football Insider subscribers uh, coming through with questions. And so let's get to this one because Kareem Hunt, obviously very much in the news. Uh, Everyone's on Kareem Hunt watch. You guys got to talk to him on Saturday, Mary Kay. So this comes from Dave in Nashville, a two-part question. And so we'll just start with part one. Hey, Mary Kay, why do you think Kareem Hunt has not been used more in the passing game? You know what? That's a good question. I think he should be used more in the passing game, especially considering that the trio of young receivers, I'm talking about David Bell, Anthony Schwartz, and Michael Woods, have combined for now, I think, about nine catches this season. I mean, it's it's very nominal. And, uh, and so I definitely think that Kareem Hunt should be being used more. I have to wonder if there isn't a little bit of a residual effect of being asked to be asking to be traded in the offseason and just, you know, just that vibe, that feeling of kind of not wanting to be here and holding himself out of some first team practices during training camp. You know, I just have to wonder if there isn't a little bit of lingering hard feelings or whatever over that. Uh, And we're taping this again, as you mentioned, on Sunday. So we'll have to see how it goes on Monday night against the Bengals. Will they give him a a few more touches? Over the last two games, he's only had nine touches. Uh, It's just definitely hasn't been enough in my mind. And, um, and you know, I don't really know where they're going with that. So this is one of those things where it's kind of like – you know, if there are lingering effects, if if you're going to kind of take a hard line on a guy's trade or a trade request or demand, you kind of have to just suck it up and use him, don't you? Like you can't you can't take like a hard line and then say, yeah, but we're also going to hold that against you. Yes, I, I do agree with you on that. If if you are going to, you know, deny the trade request and tell him that, uh, you know, that he's going to be here. 
you know, I would think that you would just, you know, let bygones be bygones and 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 set that aside. But if you remember, uh, David Njoku kind of had to work his way back from a trade request. Now he went ahead and did that very well, actually, and now is well paid. And, uh, you know, and he's the number one tight end. So uh, there is a world in which you can come back from something like that. I don't see that happening with Kareem uh, because I don't believe that they value him the same way that they do David Njoku. I think he's going to be gone after this season anyways. Uh, and, and I don't think that some of that stuff over the summer sat very well. So let's go a little uh, further down the Kareem Hunt thing. And actually, Terry Richards from Peoria, Arizona, I was looking for a question specific to this, um, has a, a Kareem Hunt trade question. So I'll let him ask it. So Terry from Peoria, Arizona. Hey, Mary Kay, is a Kareem Hunt trade a foregone conclusion at this point, regardless of the result of the Cincinnati game Monday night? No, it's actually not. Um, and the way that I wrote it, after we did talk to Kareem on Saturday is that a trade at this point is unlikely. And I think that, you know, by the time these games are all over with uh, as we are taping this on Sunday, uh, if somebody has a significant running back injury and Dan, maybe you can tell me, cause I've been a little bit out of the loop today. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you, if, can you think of any significant running back I, injuries today so far? No, I haven't seen. Um, I haven't seen, one to this point, um, you know, obviously the Jets already kind of took care of their problem by trading for um, oh James, Rob James Robinson. James Robinson. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they traded for him earlier this week. Uh, and I don't I, I hope I didn't miss one. I didn't notice any like significant running back injuries today that would, you know, make somebody want to give up like a high ish pick for Kareem Hunt. Yeah. So, you know, as the way things stood when I talked to Kareem on Saturday and talked to others about Kareem on Saturday is that it seemed pretty unlikely that they were going to pull off a trade, not impossible. Um, but you know, it, it just didn't seem like there was going to be anything really cooking. There was nothing imminent as of Saturday. And the, you know, sometimes those things don't become a sense of urgency until you lose a starting running back. And then you think, Oh my gosh, where can we find one? Uh, so if that didn't happen, then I think that increases the chances of him still being a Cleveland Brown on Tuesday. And I think, and I think you might agree with me on this. I think that's smart. I think, I think uh, the smart play here is to go ahead and keep him and hang on to him and, you know, just see what you can do for the rest of the season with him. Who knows? I mean, they might still have a pulse. Who knows? I mean, right with, with Cincinnati and, and the Ravens really not running away with this thing yet. Uh, it's not over until it's over. And as of right now, they do still have a little bit of a pulse. Now, if they again, if they lose to the Bengals, uh, that that's pretty much life support after that. But as of right now, um, you know, they can still try to salvage this season a little bit. And I just don't think there's any great sense of urgency to trade him because he could factor into the compensatory pick formula. And there is a formula. It is elaborate, elaborate. It's complicated. I don't know exactly how it all works out, uh, but sometimes you can end up with a late third round pick. You can end up with a fourth round pick and, you know, that would be worth it if he worked into the compensatory pick landscape like that. Yeah, I mean, at its base level, if you 
lose more free agents than you sign, that's the first step towards getting a comp pick. But there's also levels of like the type of free agent you lose and the type of free agent you sign. Um, that's all that's beyond our pay grade here, at least here on October 30th uh, to have all of those answers right now. But yeah, that, that comp pick, if they were to qualify for one would be higher than I think what they would get into trade, especially at this point. It's just, I, I don't know. I don't know who's lining up to give up like a third round pick or even a, just a straight up fourth round pick for Kareem. Yeah, no, that I mean, that's not really happening. You know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen for a player who really is going to be uh, a now nine game, it would be a nine game rental for you. So you're not going to give up a lot of draft capital for that by any stretch of the imagination, unless you were really certain that you were going to sign him to an extension. So, um, so at this point, I would say there's a decent chance he's still going to be a Cleveland Brown. They are not clamoring to, to trade him. They're not trying to unload him. They're not actively making a bunch of phone calls. They're listening to what people have to say, but as of right now, uh, I, I just don't see that anything is imminent. Yeah. So let's kind of continue down this thread here. Zach from Talmadge. I think he's going a little bit of a different way here. I think he's thinking about the coaching staff, but Zach, I'm going to hijack your question and make it more player oriented. Uh, Hey, Mary Kay, if the Browns lose this game on Monday night, will they have a fire sale? So, I mean, it would, in other words, would they entertain a greedy Williams trade? Uh, I don't know. Would they entertain a Jadavion Clowney trade? How, how far, how many guys would they at least take calls on? It would obviously be that that deadline is four o'clock Tuesday. So this, it would have a lot of this would have to happen quickly, but how far down would they go? I guess if if they wanted to start trading guys. Well, you know, I mean, I suppose they would be more motivated uh, to try to get something out of guys that they know are probably not going to be back with them after this season. And the guys that do fall into that category are the ones that you have mentioned. Greedy Williams, they've shown no willingness yet to try to extend him. Uh, we know that they don't have a willingness to extend Kareem Hunt. And I don't really think Jadavian Clowney is going to be back after this year. Although I feel like that's kind of unfortunate because uh, I think Jadavian is a, a great player. I really do. But, um, you know, it almost seems like, you know, it might, that may have run its course as well. So I think they will definitely listen to offers. They might even try to create some things, but it's usually pretty difficult to pull off these trades. Not all that many of them happen. And when they do happen, uh, it's generally because you think maybe you can get a guy, uh, you know, on a longer term basis. Now, you know, as far as like a Bradley Chubb is concerned, I mean, you know, there might be some wisdom in trying to do something like that. If you thought you could have a guy for the next three years and you were getting somebody for the future. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think they'll, they'll talk to a lot of people and they might make some kind of a minor move, but I don't know that, that there's going to be a flurry of activity. Yeah. You know, I mean, this football is just not like, the other sports when it comes to trades and and all right. of that and it's kind of slowly getting there but i don't think it's there yet where it's okay you're out of it it's just fire sale time because the roster just turns over so quickly anyway and we talked about it there's comp picks to consider and there's just there's so many other things i think to consider in the nfl and honestly i think a lot of teams it's hard to bring in a guy in week eight and i mean to to bring in a guy like a Christian McCaffrey, like San Francisco did, 
And now you've got to incorporate him into everything you do. That's not easy, but he's also, you know, this super elite talent and he, he kind of plays running back. And in some situations, running back is just sort of running back. Yes, absolutely. And then the, and the other thing to consider about the Browns is that, that, you know, they plan things out very meticulously out, you know, out over the next three or four years. So they, they have a pretty good idea of what they're doing two years down the road. And in some cases, even like three years down the road. And so they're not really necessarily a fire sale type of team. That's going to go make all kinds of moves out of the blue. Uh, they'll be very thoughtful and deliberate about what they do. And, uh, you know, if they can get something in return for some players, they'll do it. Um, but you have to remember that, you know, teams are not going to give up a lot for guys that only have nine games left in their contract to begin with. Um, so, you know, it's it's probably at this point, it will be surprising if they make more than one minor trade. Okay, there were a lot of questions about Kevin Stefanski, um, but I'll start here with this one. Joel in Sacramento. Hey, Mary Kay, has the league caught up to Kevin Stefanski? Other teams seem to be able to win with average quarterback play. Uh, He's thinking of the Jets, the Giants, and the Seahawks, although Geno is above average quarterback play this year, very above average quarterback play. But over the past two years, the Browns have underperformed for their talent level. Yeah, it's it's been um, it's been a humongous disappointment. But, you know, when we look back to last year, I think we can now see that there were probably more issues with Baker Mayfield and the league catching up to him uh, than there were with with Kevin Stefanski. I think it's pretty clear now that, you know, maybe Baker just isn't what everybody in Cleveland, especially hoped he was going to be when he was drafted number one overall. So I attribute a lot of last year to, um, you know, to that. And when you look at 2020, it almost is even more remarkable that they were able to do what they did, uh, knowing that they did not have an elite quarterback. I'm curious to see what Kevin Stefanski is going to be able to accomplish when Deshaun Watson is the quarterback. Uh, I think in the second half of the season, the defense is going to be playing better as long as Miles is healthy. I just finished today writing a story that I'll post on Monday about Miles admitting that he should have taken more games off than one after that accident. So the defense has underperformed for a number of reasons. That hasn't helped anything at all. Um, But I want to see what Kevin Stefanski is all about in the play calling realm and in the offensive realm schematically when Deshaun is his quarterback. I still think they're short, a really good second veteran receiver. I don't care what anybody says. They need another really good, sure-handed veteran receiver on this team. But um, but I think, you know, it'll be very interesting to see what he can do with a, you know, with a really good quarterback. And I understand the question is, hey, Brian Dayball's doing it with, you know, with Daniel Jones and other other coaches are doing it with, you know, just average, seemingly average quarterbacks. But, you know, it it's, t- it's tough to say. It's tough to say. I think the jury is still out and we need more data. I, th- I mean, I think you can kind of have it both ways. I, I think it's fair if you're looking at this and saying, and I know there's people out there who think like this, I'm not going to hold anything 
against Kevin Stefanski until he has Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. I get that. I, I mean, I think yeah. I don't know how we can fully judge him until we see him with Deshaun Watson. At the same time, I think it's I do think it's fair to point to teams, you know, like, you know, the Falcons don't have a be- that much better of a record than the Browns, but they are four and four. And they've kind of figured out ways to win with less talent than the Browns. The Cowboys, um, you know, they had Cooper Rush start a bunch of games and they're six and two now. And their franchise quarterback just came back last week and they scored 49 points today. So they they're kind of able to hit the ground running with him. So I I think both. I kind of think both sides are fair. Like you can't really judge him till you see what he is with Deshaun Watson. But at the same time, I, I think there has been a little bit left to be desired here in these, this first half of the season. Yeah, I, I would agree with you on that. And there, there are times when, you know, we have wondered, okay, well, why did you do that? Why did you not run Nick Chubb a little bit more? Why did you uh, do that on fourth down or in the red zone or whatever? So there have been question marks like that, but I, I think, that um that and i know i say say this a lot but i really do believe it i think the turnover battle is so vitally important and when you are not winning the turnover battle you're just not going to win the game that often and they are zero and five when they don't win the turnover battle this year uh and most of those times they've lost the turnover battle and that's just not a winning formula and once the defense starts taking the ball away a little bit i mean if you look at the teams you know in the standings that are at the tops of their divisions and at the tops of, you know, the league, they are winning the takeaway battle. They're winning the turnover battle. Most of the time, it covers up for a lot of ills when you're protecting the football and also taking it away. It gives you good field position. It helps you, you know, score more points. I mean, when do they ever get, you know, really good returns or good field position from their special teams or their defense? I mean, their special teams are for, you know, not horrible, you know, completely across the board, but every single game, there are at least two really bad things that happen on special teams. They need to play a clean game on special teams and they just don't ever do it. So I think those things have been major contributing factors as well. Um, And so they've got to figure those things out at the bye week, but I'm not ready to, to pin this on Kevin Stefanski yet. Yeah, and I think there's things at at the end of the season that we'll sort of look at. Like there might be some things that are tested with Kevin. Um, if like if this defense doesn't turn around and these special teams don't turn around, he's probably gonna have to make some decisions as far as a bunch of coaches that he hired and that he's been loyal to and that he's had ties to for a while. He might have to make some difficult decisions, which which is life as a head coach. And so that that might be one of the tests that he has to face, but you know, maybe, maybe this defense turns it around and he, he doesn't have to make a hard decision on Joe Woods or, or some of Joe Woods staff. But um, I, I think there's I just think there's more things that we're going to be able to judge Kevin on, get a fuller picture of things when we're when it's January, whatever, January 10th or something, as opposed to October 30th. Yeah. And when I look at the defense, too, you know, I just continue to see a lack of continuity in terms of your, you know, the best players being able to be out there on a regular basis. Um, you know, Miles Garrett really, you know, and that's part of what I wrote today, uh, posting tomorrow is that, you know, he really hasn't been himself since the accident. So he's been back for three games, but not completely himself. Jadavian Clowney has missed, uh, you know, 
three, I, I can't remember, three or four games this season with an ankle injury. Denzel Ward is about to miss his third straight game. Uh, Anthony Walker is out for the season. Jacob Phillips, was, Phillips is out for the season. So they've had a lot of injuries on defense that I think have hurt them. And, you know, they were still kind of coming together in the beginning. And um, so I have a feeling that they are going to play better defensively probably after the bye week. Um, So, you know, like you said, maybe that's not going to be sort of a Joe Woods thing as we move forward here. But I I think special teams is something that they're going to have to take a look at. Okay, we're going to take a break, and then we've got uh, a few more questions to get to, including from a first-time texter, and we've got a Joe Hayden question. So we'll get to all of those on the other side here. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, I promised a first-time texter question. This is Dean from Columbus, a Walsh Jesuit alum. Uh, He points out, do we have any Walsh Jesuit alums on staff? He says, fellow Walsh Jesuit alum, but I don't. I don't think we have one. I can't think. I can't think of one. I I don't think so. I don't. But I live near Walsh Jesuit, so maybe that's what he's thinking. Anyway, hey, Mary Kay, that's not the question he's asking. What do you think is the biggest shortcoming from a roster standpoint thus far? And follow up, which has failed the team more, coaching or talent acquisition? That's Dean from Columbus. Well, I think the jury is still out on some of the drafting over the last couple of years. I think they're are a number of guys that uh, that we all heard over and over we're, we're really going to step up this year and have tremendous seasons. And for whatever reason, it, it hasn't happened yet. It doesn't mean it still cannot happen, uh, but they got off to relatively slow starts. And that includes a group of uh, Jordan Elliott, Jacob Phillips, Grant Delpit, uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa got off to a little bit of a slow start. Um, but he started to pick it up last game. And then um, he suffered a knee injury against the Ravens. And he did not practice for three straight days this week. And I think there, you know, there's a decent chance he could have to sit out this game uh, right in the week after he started to pick it up. But I think the jury is still out on some of these draft picks. And you're not going to hit on all of them by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, you you definitely want to be hitting on your third round picks to the extent that you can. And, you know, we still have to see what Anthony Schwartz is going to be all about. Um, The signs are there that David Bell is going to be good, but, you know, we haven't really necessarily seen too much of David Bell so far this year. Uh, You know, Martin Emerson looks like he's going to be really good. Greg Newsom appears to be really good. And again, I think JOK is going to be really, really good, but, there are a lot of guys that um, that need to pick it up a notch to be able to say these have been some really outstanding drafts. They found some late round gems like Donovan People Jones, Peoples Jones, uh, Isaiah Thomas appears to be one of those. Um, but you know, I don't think we're going to know for sure about these first three drafts for about two more years, and then we will be able to really answer that question if it's a talent acquisition issue in some cases, or if it's more a schematic issue. Yeah. And, you know, we, there's even still some questions about those early picks. Um, you know, I, I think Greg Newsom is really good. I, I think he's going to be fine, but you know, Grant Elpit, a lot of questions about him this year. You mentioned JOK. 
who, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about him in the offseason, and he just hasn't quite made that jump yet. Uh, although he did play better against Baltimore, which mm-hmm. was encouraging. So hopefully that injury isn't anything that's going to keep him out for a while. Um, and then, you know, Jed Wills, that's that's one that he's been a little up and down, it seems, this year. And and so those are the ones that I think really you need those four to or at least three of those four to at least end up being really solid picks. I agree with you 100 percent. And and once again, you know, we heard from. Chris Kiffin and everybody else, Miles Garrett, uh, that Jordan was really going to take that step up this year. And maybe he still will. There's still a lot of football left to be played. Uh, Some people, you know, the lights don't come on until, you know, halfway through the season. For for Jordan and Jacob, this was the year that now Jacob is, of course, out for the year. Um, But it was really their first full year starting. So, you know, it was almost like a, a rookie year vibe because they hadn't really played that much before. So again, jury's still up. But as you mentioned, Jed, you know, Jordan, Grant, JOK, all of those guys uh, still have a lot of upside potential that everyone needs to see. Okay. I mentioned there was a Joe Hayden question. And of course, Joe Hayden is back in Cleveland. Uh, we got to hear from him on Saturday. He was at the Cavs game on Sunday against the Knicks. Um, he'll be honored on uh, during halftime on Monday, retiring as a Cleveland Brown. And so Neil from Acton, Massachusetts asks, Hey, Mary Kay, was cutting Joe Hayden one of the worst moves by the new Browns? I added the word new in there. We're going new Browns. <laughs> yeah. Um, you don't like to see that happen the way that it did. You don't want to take your sort of one of the faces of the franchise and and cut him in the way that they did there should have been a way to figure something out before it got to that point you don't want uh to send him out of town with a bunch of hard feelings i just don't think that's how you want to do business and i know that's certainly not how uh andrew barry wants to do business and i don't think that would have happened on andrew barry's watch that's just not how he operates uh they're very upfront with these guys they really try to tell them what the deal is going to be beforehand. They try to work things out. They are, you know, they are very honest with their representatives. Um, Again, there was, there was some thought that like Baker Mayfield didn't think that, that they were honest with him, but they actually were. I mean, they did tell him that, yeah, if an elite quarterback becomes available, we're going down that road, but it just didn't seem like that was really feasible at the time. So it just, you know, there was just a sort of a disconnect in the communication. Um, but for the most part, no, you do not want to send your your best guys, uh, your faces of the franchise forth like that. Well, yeah. And in the Baker case, too, the Deshaun thing happened so fast. Right. You know, the grand jury decision came down and then it was like, all right, everybody get on a plane and come tell me what you got. Like yeah. that, that wasn't like a situation where they could you know, fly to Austin and meet with Baker and explain the situation. <laughs> and like, no, they had to get on a plane and they had to go. And then they had to kind of circle back and, and resell Deshaun on, on coming to Cleveland after. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody really believed in their heart of hearts that he would choose Cleveland over all of the other teams uh, that he had an opportunity to go to, especially because it was, you know, in cold weather, it was in the AFC North. He's, you know, unfamiliar. 
And uh, so it just didn't seem realistic. So when they did sit down with Baker's representatives, uh, you know, I understand why Baker's people felt like, oh, yeah, well, they're probably not going to end up with Russell Wilson. They're probably not going to end up with Deshaun Watson. So Baker's the guy. But lo and behold, um, you know, that's what happened. So back to Hayden, uh, you know, obviously the other part of the story is, you know, he signs with Pittsburgh. He's 28 years old and he plays 68 games there after the Browns decided to to send him packing. And, you know, certainly whatever plan the Browns had as to when they wanted to to really start winning, I think Hayden kind of proved like he could have been a part of whatever plan that was, which sort of makes that move, not just how it went down, but sort of like he still could have been a part of all this. Yes. And you know what? And And he would have loved to have been a part of it. And when you find guys like that, like the Joel Batonios and the Bill Dawson's and the Joe Thomas's, uh, you know, you, you want to hang on to those guys. You want them to be uh, part of when the good times roll. And if you can figure it out financially, that's the whole key. You have to uh, get to a place where it's right player, right play, price, and it works for everyone. But he did still have plenty of good football left in him. And it was unfortunate to see him go. And that was driven home when he sat up there during his press conference that we attended the other day. And he talked about how much this place meant to him and for him now to kind of set all of those hard feelings aside and and come back and want to retire as a Brown. I thought that was remarkable. I mean, that was a really hard time for him. He was heartbroken. I mean, heartbroken when the Browns cut him and uh, you know, I'm, I'm proud of him for coming back and retiring as a Cleveland Brown and wanting to be part of this franchise going forward. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of remembering the timing of it all that obviously that he was cut right before the season started, but I had talked to him in training camp that year and, you know, he, he was healthy and he just seemed like, he seemed like he was ready to have that bounce back year. Like he seems kind of, he seemed really rejuvenated and like ready to go. And like, I'm going to be Joe Hayden again. And then three weeks later, the Browns, if I remember right, they shot, they tried to shop him in a trade and then eventually just cut him. Yeah. It, and yeah, it was almost like, you know, not to the magnitude of cutting a, a Bernie Kosar or anything right. like that, but, uh, but still you don't like to see that happen, especially uh, the timing and, um, and all of those kinds of things. So again, they, they will avoid those kinds of things in the, uh, in the Andrew Berry regime. You won't see too many of those things. Now you will have some disgruntled players and you will see some unhappy players because it is a business and they have to do what they have to do. You know, Jarvis Landry, right? I mean, that was one, um, you know, JC Treader was another Kareem hunt is currently not happy. Uh, you know, he wanted to be extended. He wanted to, or be traded. And, uh, you know, he's not happy right now, but he's putting his head down. He's going to work. And, and he's going out there and, and he's doing the best he can. And uh, again, it's not always going to be perfect, but I think they will try to shoot these guys straight most of the time. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be hard feelings when you have to cut a guy or trade a right. guy. Or, I mean, it's just, it's going to happen. There's a lot of money on the line. There's careers on the line, job. Like it's, this is a, it's a brutal business <laughs> and uh, right. th- there's just going to be hard feelings sometimes, but I think they've done a pretty good job um, with, a sort of just dis- like determining when to let guys go, 
like picking the right time and also doing it the right way. Like it wasn't a shock to anyone when they decided to move on from JC or move on from Jarvis or, right. you know, whatever it was. So I'm sure that deep down inside, even if those guys were a little upset about it, I'm sure they, they kind of knew it was coming. Yes, they, they did. I mean, they did. And so did Kareem. I mean, Kareem knew that's why he has to be traded. He knew that they were not going to extend him. And, uh, you know, and that's why he tried to take matters into, into his own hands. So they will have those tough conversations and they will make those tough decisions, uh, but they will be as upfront about it as possible. Okay, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast. Browns and Bengals on Monday Night Football tonight. If you have time after listening to this, go back and check out our preview pod that posted on Friday morning. It had uh, our instant reactions to the Jamar Chase injury. Uh, of course, he's out Monday night. It had uh, Andrew Gillis telling us all things about the Bengals, Lance Riceland scouting report, and of course, our prop pets and our game picks are in that pod as well. And just get subscribed to this podcast because we'll have a full week of podcasts coming your way. Uh, it should be a very interesting, I mean, honestly, win or lose, Mary Kay, this should be a very interesting bye week one way or the other. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it will be a very, very interesting bye week. They've got a lot to, uh, they've got a lot to look over. They've got a lot to assess and figure out. And, and, it, you know, as you mentioned, I mean, if, if they win this game, if they win this game, uh, you know, it's still going to be really incredibly difficult to try to make the playoffs. But at least it gives them a little bit of a pulse and a fighting chance. If they lose this game to fall to two and six, I mean, it's almost stick a fork in them, right? I mean, yeah. it's almost to the point where, uh, you know, they'd have to go on a, a Titan like five game win- winning streak <laughs> in order to keep this thing, uh, you know, going. So, uh, yeah, big, enormous game on Monday night, obviously. Okay, and of course, we'll cover it all here on the podcast and, of course, at cleveland.com slash Browns. Be a football insider, cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. You can have all of our coverage, uh, newsletter, texts, and those exclusive stories on cleveland.com. Mary Kay, I will talk to you later today. Sounds great.